There's a difference between working for a startup, founding a startup, working freelance, and working as a consultant for a company on payroll. It all comes down to the risk profile you're willing and able to tolerate, and that itself is a function of the stage of life you're in and other variables. In this episode, I sit down with Mang Truong, who has worn all of those hats, and we talk about the differences and his current role consulting for large corporate clients as technical director of Primitive Logic, where he tackles large projects, legacy code, and change management, just to name a few. All right, hey, Mong, welcome to this Frontier Podcast. Really, really good to have you here. Why don't you give a quick intro yourself, you know, and, and some of your expertise. Thanks, Lech. Uh, thanks for having me. Um, my name is Mong Trung. Uh, I ha- am a consultant for a small consulting firm called Primitive Logic. They're based out of San Francisco. Before that, I co-founded a company, uh, Diginext. We have been on that adventure for about 10 years. Uh, after that, it was uh, end of a nice adventure and I moved on to a more stable um, line of work and that's how I ended up with this consulting firm. Sure and, and I imagine that dealing on the consulting and client side is going to be a, a different kind of adventure um, than dealing on the you know so the startup and growth side so what's the difference there you know I think a lot of professionals deal with with that kind of you know hey should I go back on on payroll or should I stay as a, in our case, a freelancer or should I work at a startup, you know, and fast growing or should I, you know, do something where I get to work at larger companies? Like what was that decision-making process like? for you? It, it depends on the person, right? It's, it's very much uh, up to the personality. I'm not saying I wouldn't mind working for a startup again, but there's a difference between working for a startup and actually founding uh, a, a startup. There, there's a lot of stress that, that, goes along with that. For example, you would actually be responsible if you have employees for their paycheck. You need to make sure that uh, you know they, they keep getting their steady paycheck while you focus on uh, improving your product, getting clients, and all of that fun, uh, fun stuff. Whereas if you become a consultant, you work for a large firm, they have their sales people, and you just make sure that you come in, you do the right thing, the client loves you, and you get staffed on different projects. Whereas with a freelancer, I think it's a little bit uh, in between where you do sort of a consulting gig, but you're more responsible in terms of finding uh, the next projects that you'll be working on. Yeah, and I often find it's, I know for myself, it was a, it's a stage of life thing too. You know, what was exciting for me, you know, being the, the startup CEO founder, you know, 10, 15 years ago is different depending on the stage of life that I'm in. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And stability of income was, you know, is always a thing to think about. You know, I I was blessed in my own journey to be able to do a bunch of startups and make enough income to support the family. Um, But, you know, sometimes I think you're interested maybe in your craft and delivering your thing more than in building the, the vehicle through which other people can deliver. You know, I don't know if that resonates with you, but that was correct. Part of the, my experience. The, the main driving force, uh, at least for me, was the ability to work on something that you love and uh, you create and to have a voice in that. You can steer the direction of where things are going. Um, but most importantly, just have fun, right? At, at a company, unfortunately, you're going to have to do what, you know, you're being told to do. Um, whereas if you found your own company, 
you just decide what you want to do, what you want to work on, what next project, uh, you know, what latest technology is out there. Just go ahead and experiment. Because of that passion and that drive that you would have, um, we put in a lot of hours back then. You know, crazy, crazy hours, sleepless nights. And I have to say, back then when I was younger, that was more doable. Now with a family, with a kid, it gets, it gets more difficult to do that. Yeah, so that plays a role as well. Sure, sure. So what, what kind of work are you doing in the consulting space? Like larger companies probably aren't on, I don't know, like I said, on maybe the bleeding edge of technology. And yet they need to use the learnings from, you know, let's say the startup or the fast growing spaces. Or, you know, maybe they're not adopting something that's been in open source for six months but maybe something that's been in two years and it's stable, I don't know, containerization, you know, CICD, Docker, you know, I imagine you're seeing stuff like that out in the field. What's it look like when slightly more mature technologies are being brought into really legacy environments? You're right. It's, it's difficult because with conservative clients that aren't familiar with or even comfortable with more of the bleeding edge technologies, they're very hesitant to, to change, right? They, they have stable, uh, environments they like to keep it stable and what is most important for them is support because what if you move to this bleeding edge open source technology that has launched only six months ago who are you gonna go to if, if something doesn't work if something breaks where do you get your support so it will be uh, it's a difficult pitch but there are plenty of open source technologies that are actually out there for quite some time uh, have proven themselves and those are the technologies that we have easier task of uh, easing that into the existing workflow. Yeah, what's the, what's the talent situation for a more conservative company that probably has you know, a, a workforce already uh, and certainly is hiring consultants right, to, to bring some kind of new thinking to the table? And that's why you, you use a consultant. You need people who, who can bring in some best practices. You probably already have an established workforce. You need to train them up. Um, maybe there's some resistance from the workforce to adopt new technologies. What's that like from a, I guess it's really a change management kind of disposition when you go into a new, more conservative client? It, it is difficult. That's why for change management itself are uh, different roles available. That is a, a one person can be involved completely with change management without ever being involved in, in the techno, technical side of uh, a project. The resistance that you're talking about, I think every consultant out there will, will encounter that because you're right, the established workforce uh, will view you as sort of the enemy, right? You're, you're coming in, you're going to show them how it's done, uh, or you might take away their baby that they've been working on for, for so long. Um, you just need to find a way to, to resonate with them, make them part of the process. Don't work against them, involve them. Make sure that they can own the improvement, make it look like or, or uh, feel that they're part of the, the new idea, the new change, that they are the driving force behind that. You, you're just planting seeds, right? You're not saying, hey, this is the direction we should go. It's more of a, hey, there's this new technology out there that I think might uh, work in our situation. Have you taken a look? And, you know, once you've planted that seed and they like it, they might run with it and you can support them in, in implementing that. And hey, the end result is that you have a, 
a better workflow for everybody, a more efficient way of working and successful projects. That's all that we want, right? So what did you bring from the startup space? You know, it's a bunch of years running your own company, you know, starting from the ground up. What kind of innovative disciplines are useful, you know, and maybe in a more conservative consulting kind of context? Because I, I imagine that's, that's probably pretty valuable. And, and yes, of course, you need to deal with the, the slowing down and, and then the adoption curve and, and those things. But, uh, you know, what's useful and what's different between someone who's, who's worked in founding and growing a startup and, and folks maybe who never have done that and have always been on the, the bigger company spectrum? I think the most important thing is that you're going for it, like all in. Uh, I've heard of a bunch of folks that try to do a business on the side, and most of that usually doesn't pan out. I think the main reason is that you're not giving 100, you know, 200%. And in order to make your business successful, it will need all of your attention. You, you can't do something on the side and expect. You can always hope, but it's hard to expect that something that you're not giving its full attention that it needs to grow out to be something successful. What, what I've learned or, or taken away from the startup period is in the beginning, we didn't have uh, employees or not that many anyways. So as founders, you have to wear multiple hats. You need to learn. You need to dig into stuff. You need to make things happen regardless of what the task at hand is. So I have had to learn a lot of different technologies out there that I have never experienced before. You know, even a, a Google search would not yield the right result. So what you end up doing is you're going to have to experiment and try things out. So there was a lot of trial and error um, in, in that sense. But as long as you, you, you have that passion and that drive, you will get to where you need to be. And, and that is how I think most of the open source technologies are actually born. Like, like Docker, someone had a problem that they needed to be solved. Uh, and they solved it with a, a bunch of folks. They were determined to fix that problem that they saw. And they came up with a great solution. And now, if you look at Docker in, in, the, uh, in the market, it's being used pretty much everywhere. And how do you explain to maybe a legacy kind of company or a you know, more conservative company that, that's doing great? I mean, really, like, you know, like, let's face it, they don't hire you know, consultants like yourself and your company to come in and, you know, work on something that, that isn't there and that isn't already making, you know, by all accounts a, a lot of money. And yet, you know, there's probably some leadership fear on the, the side of everybody, you know, reads the stories about disruption and, you know, hey, there's a scrappy startup trying to eat your lunch somewhere, you know. So how do those conversations go? you know, on the other side, because I think it's, it's easy for us that have been on the startup side to, to kind of think, Hey, you know, we're going to get the big, bad old company that doesn't know how to do this. What's the other side of that conversation look like? You're right. At, at a more conservative uh, company, it's very hard to say, Hey, let's, uh, you know, everything that you have, your entire infrastructure, let's scrap all that and let's move to Docker. Let's containerize everything. Let's switch over to microservices. Let's do away with the legacy systems, and that just doesn't work, right? <laughs> I have yet to see any salesperson that is able to pull that off. Now, that would be pretty impressive. Um, so it's, it's a gradual approach. Uh, for us, it, 
you know, we're not here to get them on the bleeding edge. That's not our goal. Our goal is to help them solve any problems or issues that they are currently encountering with their current system. Um, and usually that's not with the entire system. It's with certain parts of the system. And we should focus on that. While we are uh, improving that part of the system that they are having an issue with, nothing stops us from improving the process uh, while, while doing, doing so. So for example, when we're brought in to build an additional feature, as part of that, we also assess the uh, development cycle you know, in, in the old legacy systems where you just have your central repository of code and you have your one humongous make file that builds everything, nothing is automated, we can improve that. So as part of the project, um, we also introduce certain technologies that we are aware of that are currently out there that will improve the, their current process. It will help their team to be more efficient, to be more productive, to make things easier. So for example, uh, the CI CD stack, continuous in integration, continuous deployment, that is something that helped this client tremendously. So instead of the, the old way of doing things, they now have uh, Git. We've introduced a, a new source control system. They were on a very old legacy one before that. We introduced Git, which is the largest, uh, the most used source control system out there uh, at this at this point in time, we also introduced Jenkins that automatically creates a build as soon as someone checks in their code. Uh, it wraps everything into what, what they need and it can deploy to their servers. And we introduced that as part of a, an ongoing project. It, it wasn't when we came in that we said, hey, you need to use this. It's just that while we were there, while we were working on a project, it's like, hey, this process can be improved. Uh, this is one of the ways that we can improve it. What do you guys think? What do you wish being now in, in an environment like that, that moves slower, that isn't bleeding edge, you know, what do you wish that the open source, you know, sort of more hacker community, you know, what could they do better? You know, it, people are out there contributing to open source products and eventually those products trickle into enterprise and legacy what could the community do better to support that what what really is you know it's just a vastly vastly larger market segment everybody gets excited about you know you know startups and fast-growing companies in silicon valley and, and yet you know overwhelming amount of business is, is a legacy technology platform that that might benefit from these things what do you wish was there from the supporting community that maybe isn't built for you know, that legacy customer? Most of the open source projects that have gone the enterprise route already know what they need to do. The single biggest thing uh, out there that I see and the, the need uh, for is support. Most of the open source projects out there that have gone the enterprise route where they target large enterprises, they actually offer support. If you're just an open source uh, project that you know, is awesome at what it does and you keep it up to date, like you have your commits every day and a stable build every month, it's great and all, but an enterprise isn't looking to 
you know, upgrade their stack every month just to keep up, especially if they use multiple uh, open source projects out there. They have a very controlled and slower timeline. They might be looking at, you know, once or twice a year where they perform major upgrades. In, and in order to support that, your project needs to introduce things like um, end of life, the support lifecycle where you have a stable uh, long-term supported version of your product, for example, and a bleeding edge one. That's how you'll, you'll make a chance in the enterprise market. Fantastic. Amon, thank you. This has been a lot of fun. Thanks for listening to the Frontier Podcast produced by Gun.io. We're the only freelancing platform where engineers actually go to hire other engineers. If you enjoyed the show and want to learn more about how to hire or freelance with us, head over to gun.io slash podcast to get in touch and we'll pay for your first 10 hours with a kick-ass engineer. Thanks for listening to the Frontier Podcast, produced by Gun.io. We're the only freelancing platform where engineers actually go to hire other engineers. If you want to learn more about how to hire or freelance with us, head over to Gun.io and get in touch. Let us know you heard the podcast, and we'll pay for your first 10 hours with a kick-ass engineer.